Hi, welcome to Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And tonight we're going to talk about giving, which is kind of a touchy subject for some people, but it's a really, it's a really important subject. And it, it doesn't have to be touchy. Yeah, that's an interesting thing that we, we consider it a touchy subject. It's um, from a pastor's perspective, uh, it's a it can be a challenge sometimes if we don't if we don't take into consideration what scripture says about it and um, it's an interesting outlook that we have to take because um, as a pastor I also ties to the church we we give to our to our mm-hmm. church too and so um, if someone were to think that I'm asking for money for me instead of for my church. I, I think they'd be mistaken there, and I think that's why the reason it gets so touchy for some people is because their um, money is usually a very private thing, mm-hmm. and they don't like to discuss it publicly. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, maybe they are if they think they're given to the church when they get to the church, they think they're just giving it to people to handle, but really we're giving it to God and God's purposes. Oh, and, that's true. And um, I had a we had a really interesting uh, experience with uh, our past our, one of our past churches before we came up here, um, and I took this role as pastor at this church. Another church we went to, we were I was on the pastor search committee. We were looking for a full time pastor at the time. It wasn't a possibility for me. And uh, as we looked and looked at all the different applications and everything we we selected uh, uh, a particular individual to come and um, basically wasn't an audition but to come and preach and, and meet the church and and have us meet him and see him and so he's got a one-time shot to come in and make a good impression basically and he came and he talked about tithing on this on on that I don't remember that yeah that was that was Fred. And he came and he talked about tithing. I'm Did like, he? Yes. Gosh, and I, I was I was impressed with the courage that he had to come in and say that at that point in time. And he did become our pastor. And um, he's since moved on to Greener Pastures. Uh, but he, he went to uh, another place and he's back in South Dakota and is actually the head of the Dakota Baptist Convention right now in South Dakota. And Fred's a wonderful man. But it was just an interesting experience to hear that. Hmm. I, I, I was kind of... I was... Happily you surprised. Have, you must have been really impressed because I don't remember yeah, it made what a, he preached on. Yeah. You, you don't remember what I preached on two weeks ago. Yeah, I do too. Two weeks ago. Two. I thought so. Keep going. I'd have to think about it. But Keep going. It's, yeah, but anyway. <laughs> no, I tell you, I love the subject of giving. Because first, giving is really, a, you could say it's a barometer of our spiritual health. And if we're really, if we're generous givers... Uh, we're probably more spiritually healthy than if we're not, or maybe that's that's very no, awkward. It's in an way interesting way of saying it. I, I I agree with you. I think one of the biggest indicators that it would it would tell me is if someone is a generous giver, if they are if they are free, feel free to give, no matter what the need is, um, is faith. Mm-hmm. A comfort and an understanding that it's not, you know, it's not my money. I can, it's God's money. And if I give it away, God takes care of me. God took care of me when he gave me my paycheck. If 
I give a portion of my paycheck to someone else to help them out, God's still going to take care of me. It's not like God's going to take care of me less if I help someone else. Think about that concept. God will care for you less if you help someone else. Right. That That's, that's contrary. Okay, so that is contrary. And so I did some research to see what other people thought about this giving and mm-hmm. and but I came down with four things from Jane's perspective why I like to give and why giving's important and I'm gonna share those. Okay. Okay. And this was the first Matthew five forty eight. Mm-hmm. And I didn't read this anywhere. Yep. I think this was like totally a God thing. When I thought of this first, because this is a perfect reason why to give. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So you're to be like your heavenly father. And we and our heavenly father is so generous and we're supposed to be like God. And so you've heard lots of people have said you can't outgive God. But maybe we should try just to uh, uh, reflect him or... Um, uh, imitate him in our generosity, and that would mean if we try to imitate him in our giving, we just become better and better givers because we cannot give him. And so that's the first: be like your daddy, be like your heavenly father, give. Yeah, and as we're talking about this, um, this is our 26th anniversary today. We've been married 26 years today, mm-hmm. May 28th. Um, when we were first married, this was a challenge for us. It was a challenge to look at bills to be paid and still tithing. It was a challenge to look at, you know, the impossibility of stretching a paycheck, uh, living very much paycheck to paycheck when we first got married. We're still doing Um, that. Well, we are. Yeah. But it's the paycheck's different. Right. You know, we're not counting change to buy milk right now, but we did at time. We've done it for a long time. But we have... Um, just gotten more and more and more at peace with giving first. And the reason we've gotten more at peace of that is because God's always answered that. He's, mm-hmm. he's always He's always been faithful when we've been mm-hmm. faithful. Mm-hmm. And God is always faithful. So, Okay. Now the second one, according mm-hmm. to Jane. I shouldn't say according to Jane, but from my perspective, why I find it's a good reason to give. There's all sorts of verses about giving in the Bible, too. So Mm -hmm. if you want to really check it out, see if this is biblical, then you do that. Because you'll find out that it is. God loves a cheerful giver. That's exactly right out of my... the whole verse. Okay, the whole verse is 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Let each one do just as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we can make God smile and he can delight in us. Because it makes him happy because he's like, oh, wow. They're not grasping the stuff I've given them. They're freely giving it back, knowing that they trust me more than the stuff I gave them. And I I think if I can make Father God smile, Jesus and Spirit at the same time, why not? Yeah, and this, this passage you just read is the one... Everyone loves it. God loves a cheerful giver is what everybody knows. Mm-hmm. The whole, the entirety of that though, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Mm-hmm. That means you have made a decision. This is what I'm going to give God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not reluctantly, not mm-hmm. because somebody says you have to, not because you feel obligated to, not because 
you know, you pulled out a calculator and said, this is 10% exactly, and this is what I'm going to give. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people ask questions, should I do it before taxes are taken out or after, gross or net? Mm-hmm. Should I, you know, and that is the part of the question. problem. That's part of the problem. You're starting to question it. You're not, there is no compulsion. God doesn't say, I won't love you if you don't give. That's not no. ever in the Bible anywhere. Uh, but, I, yeah, sorry. what God will do is bless you mm-hmm. for your blessing others. And that's what our money does is it blesses people, whether it's um, ministry that our church gives, whether it's missions, whether it's whether it's the homeless guy who needs a meal and to go buy him one. Mm-hmm. Those blessings that we are passing on should be overflowing out of us. The blessing that we get from God should overflow out of us. Our, his God's spirit should overflow out of us, and, and God fed the hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think of all those thousands of people Jesus did with one meal. Uh, yeah, and this wasn't in my four points, but this is a good one too. Luke six thirty eight: Give, and it will be given to you. A large quantity, pressed together, shaken down, and running over will be put into your lap, because you'll be evaluated by the same standard with which you evaluate others. Mm-hmm. So if you're really generous... You'll probably reap that if we if you sow generosity, you'll reap generosity. If you and that's not why you should give, but it is just a basic spiritual law. You you'll be judged by how you judge others, and uh, by how you give. I mean that's how we'll experience generosity, and uh, that kind of puts the ball in your court. I want to go back to that gross or net thing. And that Second Corinthians nine seven. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, not everyone m- might agree or disagree with. Well, you're going to agree Go or ahead. disagree. I don't know if you agree or disagree with this, but um, that seven says. Um, oh, I want to read six before that. Okay. Second okay, Corinthians nine six says. Now this I say: He who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. Mm-hmm. He who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. And then seven goes on, and we've already read this, but let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart. I uh, honestly think... On. Yep. In uh, 10, it says... Oh, but I wasn't done with my point. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Right. So, again, it comes from God anyway. And he's given it to us for his purposes. He supplies it. Right. But my point was, I don't even think Christians are... We're not obligated to give a tithe. We're just give what your heart tells you to do. That might be 10%, might be 20, 30, 50, 90. I read one about one guy and I should have looked him up. One man in ministry and he's probably still in ministry if he's alive. Hmm. Maybe he's dead. It was in modern times, but he gave 90% of his income mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And that. The, the reason I brought up that Second Corinthians nine ten it says he who supplies the seed to the sower think about the mm-hmm. concept right and bread for food mm-hmm. seed is one thing seed is something you plant harvest and then make the bread from mm-hmm. he That's not true. only provides the seed he also prov- he also is the one who provides the, the bread, bread. Yes. so all along the way God has His hand on everything mm-hmm. and it says He will also increase your store of seed mm. and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So if you are, um, it's kind of like the parable of the talent when Jesus was talking. I was thinking of that, Matthew 25. When he said he gave them 
five or ten talents, the the good and faithful servants. He said, I gave you these things and you doubled them. He said, now I'm going to put, I'm going to put you in charge of even more. So the more faithful you are at sowing seeds, and this could go beyond just money. This could could go into, into your spiritual walk period, period. The more you sow your seeds, the more seeds you'll have to sow. The mm-hmm. more you make the most of the opportunities God gives you, the more opportunities God will give you. That that mm-hmm. and I, I I believe that goes with giving too. Oh, I think so too. And I think what it, I, it, it's not in Matthew twenty five. I don't know if it's in the Luke version of the talents, but where Jesus says he was faithful and little, I will make, I, I will. I will be given more, but. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're not in faithful in the little things, and I really think that Jesus was t- the little things are money. I mean, in God's perspective, money matters. I mean, everything matters to God. Um, our physical life, our spiritual life, but how we handle the things He gives us to handle, um, then He'll give us more to handle more, just like what you just said. But, um, okay, so, uh, why I like to give is it was you want I want to be just like God because imitate my father I want to make him smile and then another verse is Hebrews eleven six I love this verse I'll just read it to you Hebrews eleven six and it's, it's not really Matthew no Matthew is the one you were talking about oh well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful a few things I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and show your master's happiness. Yeah, but I think there's another place too. But yeah, that's it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. That he is, that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. And so when we give, we give in faith, believing God will take care of us. That maybe the paycheck doesn't cover everything, but you still give... Uh, you. I, I feel I should give this amount. And when you give that amount, your human brain kind of goes, oh, I probably won't be able to pay the bills then, but but I'm going to give. And and then God supplies what you, God will take care of you. I mean, we cannot give God. And I, we're not supposed to give in fear, like we've talked about faith and fear. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to give in faith, knowing God will take care of us. And And... The thing about giving is it doesn't always come out. Sometimes he takes care of us in ways that we hadn't anticipated. Like, um, well, like right now, this is not about the giving or thing, but we are having vehicle issues. And we didn't, our three vehicles are like all down. And we have three vehicles all with over 200,000 miles. And apparently, and, and knowing that, Maintenance is necessary on an older vehicle. Apparently, they decided to all do it at the same time. Yeah, they got a pact or whatever. <laughs> we but, haven't been able to rotate them yet. And so, so and, and Shannon is working so hard to get them up and running again. But we needed something to drive. And uh, some wonderful friends, Susie and Josh, we love you, are lending us their minivan. And it's thankfully, it's not inconveniencing them because they don't need it right now. That, that blesses me because I don't want to inconvenience anyone. But that's a that's an answer to prayer because God knows we need some way to drive somewhere, and so uh, God is so creative, 
And, and if we're faithful in giving, he will provide all we need. And like, I guess I'm saying, you know, it might come in different ways, but if we're open to his creativity, we'll see all that blessing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can I share my, Go ahead. okay, I'm sorry. That's right. Okay. So I have you uh, imitating God and being like him, making him smile. Cause he loves a cheerful giver, trusting him. Cause that pleases him. God loves a cheerful giver. And then, oh, this one's great. Proverbs nineteen seventeen. This Wh- whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he w- he will repay him for his deed. Okay, Shannon read it to you, but it's great because we can actually lend to God, Father God, Creator God. He's... It's an interesting concept too, because and he'll repay. everyone everyone agrees about the proverbial golden rule. Do unto others right. as you would have them do unto right. you. Until it comes to money. Oh, yeah, then people get tight-fisted. And then people are, well, I don't know. Should I give it to this person or shouldn't I? You know? Um, unfortunately, we live in an area where there's a lot of alcoholism. There's a lot of, of uh, drug abuse, a lot of things like that. And it is, a, it is a very common thing to have someone panhandle. Someone come up and ask you for something. Um and, you know, people give somebody a buck or give them two bucks or whatever. Um, we've had some interesting interactions with that because yeah. of that. People yeah. have come and, come, come and talk to us. And uh, there's two times I can think of right off the top of my head. Number one, we were uh, we stopped at our local dollar store. And it was cold, really, really windy that day. I mean, it was just bitterly. When I say cold, we're well below zero and the wind is blowing and we see these, what we thought was four guys, sitting around the corner of the building getting out of the wind. And they came up and asked asked for money, and we didn't have anything. But across the street is the gas station. So we ran across to the gas station, and, and Jane went in, and they had a meatloaf sandwich special. And she bought meatloaf sandwiches and coffee for four, and we brought it back, and the fifth guy poked his head out. We didn't realize there was five. We thought there was only four because that's what we saw. I thought it was two saw. and three, but anyway. No, it was four, and it was actually a fifth one because we each carried stuff over. I remember that. And they said, don't worry about it. We'll take care of him. Mm. And I thought, well, there you go. Mm. These people in their in their need are going to be sharing each other. And the other one happened to me not that long ago. I had a, a man. I was stopping at the grocery store. I don't remember what I was supposed to get. Probably a loaf of bread. It's no big deal. And a man who was obviously uh, intoxicated uh, came up and asked me if I had some money so he'd get something to eat. And I, I, I don't ever really have cash unless Jane gives me allowance. That's why I used to like to go to basketball games because she'd ask me to buy popcorn and tell me to keep the change. I'd get allowances. Um, I usually don't have cash, and I didn't that day. So I said, tell you what I'll do. Let's go in there, and I'll buy you, I'll buy you a meal. And they have fried chicken and stuff, and I bought him a... The chicken dinner there, and and he was very appreciative. Again, it was a cold day. He was really appreciative of it. And then he did say, you know, I was thinking about going up to the bar. You got a couple extra bucks, and I said, I don't have any cash at all. Never did. So, and I said, I, I probably wouldn't give it to you for that. And he said, I really appreciate the meal. I said, well, you're welcome. You know. And I, I always think about that fact that if I was in that situation, or a member of my family was in that situation where they were absolutely destitute and did not know where their next meal was coming from. Yeah. And just think about that. Think about that just for a second. 
Think about not knowing where your next meal is going to come from. And I don't care what circumstance got you to that point. What would it take for you to walk up to somebody and say, do you have a couple bucks? What would it take for us to, to, to humble ourselves to actually ask? That would be heartbreaking for most of us. It would be, it would be, it would be beyond our comprehension. Most of us say, I would never do that. I would never do that. You would have to. Mm-hmm. And how would you like to be, re- be treated? Because you, let your, you lay yourself wide open to all kinds of abuse. And I have seen people get abused over this concept too, the way people treat them. But I always think about it from that perspective. If I was on the other side of that, how would I want people to react to me? If you have the opportunity to buy somebody a meal, buy them a meal. If you have the opportunity to share with someone, share with them whatever you have. It is not... Oh, we have a verse on sharing. I always do it responsibly. I, I, I don't want to give somebody cash so they go to the bar. If they're, if they're an alcoholic, that's an irresponsible action on my part. I'm not going to be contributing to that. But on the other hand, I'll buy you food anytime you need food. I don't, want, I don't ever want to see someone that I could help in that situation that walk away and say, well, I guess that guy didn't want to help me. Mm. I always want to help. I always, I think. And I always want to pray with you too. So yeah. you ask me for a meal, well, you're going to get a meal and you're going to get grace because we're going to stop and pray. I, I think of um, when I talk to some of the guys who are asking for food or whatever, I just think, what if this was my son? You know, this wasn't mm-hmm. what his mama wanted for him you know I wonder mm-hmm. how he got there but do not neglect to do good and to share what you have that's Hebrews thirteen sixteen. Mm-hmm. for such sacrifices are pleasing to God we can please God and then uh, Ephesians four twenty eight says give generously to others in need and uh, Psalm one twelve five through 7 this Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. And, um, oh, this one, Luke 6.35, uh, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. So sometimes I think people don't give because they're afraid they're going to be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. You know, and I guess sometimes maybe that should come into play, but I don't know if God really doesn't care about that, you know? Well, I think we should be wise to yeah, scammers and people yeah. like that. But on the other hand, if there's, a, if there's a legitimate need, if there is a legitimate problem that right. you can fix, why not fix it? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't... I struggle in my own mind to say, why wouldn't I do that? Mm-hmm. You know, I I had a man come up to me not that long ago when I was filling up the the tank of my truck. And he there was a trucker on the other side of the pump, and the, he was ta- trying to talk to both of us at the same time, and I knew what he was after. And he said, so what do you do? I got my truck and my cowboy hat on, and I don't look like my, my job. I said, well, I'm a pastor. And he said, what do you got for me? And I said, I can tell you all about God. He turned around and talked to the trucker then, but the trucker got finished first and left. 
So then he came back and talked to me again. And when he talked to me again, he came back a little bit different. We had a discussion, and then he told me all about the trouble that he was having, the problems that he was having, and, and went into great detail about it. And we prayed about it, and I gave him, I had, that day I had like $3 in my wallet, so I emptied my wallet out for him. But, um, And he went right over to the to the gas station, so I'm, and that was, they weren't selling alcohol at that time. So I know when he went there, he went for food or coffee or something. Mm -hmm. But, you know, his, his first thing was, what do you got for me? Mm. And it was really cold. But then afterwards, when he stopped and talked, thought about it, he came back. And that's when we had an honest conversation. Because I know, I know sometimes, um, there are people that, I knew this when I was in law enforcement, there were people that traveled um, town to town looking for, where's the, where's the local preacher's house? Because oh, they would go and, and, and basically be mooching off people all the time. Um, I, I ran into that several times with people and said, you know what, I can find somebody that lets you work a meal off. Well, that's not what I'm looking for, they would say. Mm. Well, you know, those people do exist too, but for the most part, if you're seeing need, um, true need, especially if it's around you, if it's right in front of you, if God put someone in your path, you know, what did Jesus say about, you know, when I was hungry, Those. when I was hungry, when I was sick, yeah, you fed me, you clothed right. me. That's in 25 too, I think. You know, I never saw you sick or hungry. Well, whenever you did it to the least of these, yeah. you did it for me. That's in 25, too, also. Yeah. Uh, but you, um, Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 8. If there should be a poor man among your relatives in one of the cities of the land the Lord your God's about to give you, don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor relative. Instead, be sure to open your hand to him and lend him enough to lessen his need. I don't know why I read that one, but that's a good one. But I, I want to get back to giving to the church mm -hmm. because I know there's a lot of, a lot of people who give to maybe a person every once in a while, but I really think God is calling us as, as believers to, to finance his work and to give to your local church, wherever that is. And I, I I think it it is a testimony to your commitment to God and to his church and and to you as being part of the body of Christ and it's what God tells us to do. I mean, he and he wants us to give cheerfully. I mean, he he doesn't need your money. I mean, he doesn't need our money. He can he can do whatever he wants. I mean, but it's it's our way of being part of his work. And it's also our way of showing that he's a lot more important to us than anything that's in our lives and that we trust him a lot more than anything our bank account says is in there. And I, I think it's, uh, it's such a privilege that we can give to God's work, isn't it? I mean, it's that he asks us to be a part of what he does. I've got some statistics about the United States. I just want to... I'm going to throw this out there for context here. When we're talking, we went from from dealing with an individual in front of you now to talking about giving to God's ministry mm -hmm. through your church. And the tithe comes from um, the Old Testament. That comes from Abraham uh, when he was first called 
and and God selected him. He said Abram gave 10% of everything he owned to God. So that's where the concept of a tenth or a tithe comes from. But in the United States, this is from uh, sharefaith.com, 247 million U.S. citizens claim to be Christian. Of those, 99 million say they go to a church. Okay. Of those, 1.5 million actually tithe. Mm. Americans, American Christians today are giving less than American Christians did during the Great Depression. Think about that concept. Oh, I know wow. we're in a pandemic here, but we're not in, a, in, in anywhere near the state of the, Great, of the Great Depression. It's interesting because um, they also say that people with salaries of $20,000 a year or less are eight times more likely to give mm-hmm. than people that make $75,000 or more. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of a, that's kind of a sad, sad thing. And and maybe it's because they understand, maybe Mm -hmm. it's because they're in a, in a, uh, situation where they see need more than other people see need. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what it is, but one of the other statistics I thought was really cool. Um, eight out of 10 people that do tithe have zero credit card debt and 28% of tithers are completely debt free. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess God's rewarding that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we look at all these all these concepts, all, all these statistics here about tithing, it doesn't it doesn't uh, tell the whole story about giving. And Jane has talked about it in some of her other things, and 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 uh, I want to talk about it a little bit here too. When you're giving to your local church, you are giving to the to the maintenance of the spiritual health of the people in your church as well as the ministry done by that church. And what I say by the maintenance, I mean you keep the lights on, you keep the, the power going, you're paying your pastor, you're paying whatever bills that the church has to incur. But in addition, the everyday needs of the everyday people that are brothers and sisters in that church are going to be met through the church. And what I mean by that is if someone in your church ends up in dire straits, the people in the church will draw from the account that they have at the time to help that person. I've never been in a church whatsoever, anywhere, where that has not happened. But if you're in a situation as a church where you don't have anything in the bank, you can't do that. You can't bless people. You can't reach out to them. Now, the perfect world, the perfect world for me, is that every church would have so much money in their bank account that they would feel blessed enough to say, I guess we don't need it anymore. And that happened, um, that actually happened with the Israelites when Moses was uh, mm-hmm. setting it up, mm-hmm. was setting up the, the first temple that they had. Um, it's, uh, let's see, Exodus 36, 3 through 6. The people continue to bring free will offerings morning after morning. Free will offerings. Mm-hmm. That means nobody said they had to, they just did. So all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left their work and said to Moses, People are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people restrained from bringing more. Can you imagine? I don't care the size of your church. I don't care the wealth of your congregation. Can you imagine the church saying, Boy, we are so financially blessed. We have more money than we know what to do with. I haven't ever lived. I, I haven't ever been in that church. 
No. I have never been in that church. I've been in churches that have done wonderful things with the finances they've been given. And I've been in churches where we have been struggling financially. I know when we when we called Fred as a pastor, I was on the pastor search committee, and we were looking at the budget, and we were looking at things, and, and um, the question was brought up, wait a minute, with what we're taking in and tithe in our offerings, we can't pay his salary. And one of the wiser, um, more seasoned members of the committee said, don't worry about it. When the need for the salary is there, the offerings will be there to meet it. Mm. And they were. And it wasn't mm-hmm. an issue. Um, it's a challenge for a pastor to have to go out and put his hand out and say, I need you to support the church. And the sad part about that is, is he's saying, I need you to support yourself. Mm. I need you to support yourself. Because this is your church, you're a member of the church, you are supporting yourself. It's not your pastor coming asking for a handout. It's him come, trying to make sure everybody is fiscally responsible and, and fiscally free, freely giving, joyfully giving to the Lord. And it's, um, it's one of those things that sometimes has to be done. It has to, you have to be reminded to do that. Right now, we're in a situation where many people that are listening to this at this point in time because of COVID-19 are just going to be listening or watching uh, remotely to their pastors. They're not going to actually be physically in a church because they're not allowed to be in the building right now. But guess what? The expenses are still there. Even though nobody walked in the building, the expenses are still there. Mm-hmm. You still have an electric bill. You still have a water bill. You still have maintenance payments. You still have all those things going on, even though you're not sitting in physically in the building anymore. The building still exists, and the ministry still exists, and the need for finances still exists. That's just the way of the world. So right now, if you're in a situation where you're not walking into your church, um, if you're one of those people that walks into the church and empties their wallet, puts all their cash in the, in the offering plate, and, and if that's where your heart is, that's wonderful. Well, well, the, the coyotes, coyotes just started up outside our window while we're talking here. <laughs> um, right now, you're not going anywhere to empty your wallet. Find a way. Find a way to participate in still being that cheerful giver. And you want to really bless someone? Ask, how can I give to the church? Boy, what a blessing. If you're not sure, hey, what's the address so I can send the secretary the, or the treasurer a check? How am I supposed to be tithing right now? Ask. You would be blessing someone immeasurably if you start that conversation. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it just slips under our radar and we forget. And we get wrapped up in the world and we get wrapped up in what's around us. And we get afraid. If we look at our budget and say, oh, I don't know. If we look at, oh, it's towards the end of the month. I, I don't know, can't give this month, this week. If we really, really look at it clearly, we are supposed to be giving first fruits. And the concept of a first fruit is the very best and off the top of everything you harvest. And that's what was meant to be meant be offered to God. I will say, once you start giving, it gets easier. And then it gets almost adventure-like, like, I'm going to give this and let's see what happens. And... If, if you've never had the habit of giving, 
just bite the bullet and just start and you get paid say okay time to give and, and and write a check every time you get a paycheck or or however you want to do it but it does it does get easier and and it gets fun and it gets I'm so glad I can give and it's a and it will enrich your relationship with God it really will deepen your relationship with Father God Jesus spirit the triune God we won't understand the Trinity I don't know if ever. Yeah, I don't even know if in heaven we'll understand it. But anyway, it will deepen your relationship with God to give. And because then your grasp won't be on your stuff. Your grasp will be on God. And nothing will get in between you and him. And and that is where the true blessing is, is our relationship with Jesus. And the Bible says that money is the root of many kinds of evil. Yeah. It's not the root of all evil. Don't, I mean, I don't hate to contradict Chris Ledoux, but it's not the root of all evil. There's nothing wrong with money in and of itself. It's what it's being used for is, that, is what counts. I want to bring up a passage here from Timothy 6. The love 6. of money. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, love of money. Timothy 6. Um, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They're to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves is a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Mm. Nothing wrong. If God has blessed you financially, awesome. Rejoice in that. Mm -hmm. Celebrate that. Share that. If God has given you that, maybe he gave it to you so that you could be the one that helps other people. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have been blessed so that you can be a financial blesser. And I will say, uh, if you live in America, you're probably wealthier than most of the people in the entire world. So sometimes we think, okay, we just read that about being the wealthy ones. Mm. But we have to realize that he's not talking about billionaires there. He's talking about if you've got a little bit excess, you're probably wealthy. And uh, so... Yeah, don't fix your hope on the uncertainty of riches. Don't fix your hope on the uncertainty of, you know, you might be debt-free today. I don't know. We're not. Thankfully, one day we will be. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. But uh, that being said, you could be debt-free and looking really good on paper, but tomorrow you a catastrophe could happen, and you could suddenly find yourself with hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical bills. I mean, I mean, so things can change. It is uncertain about riches, and and um, well, it's one of those things too. I just I want you to just imagine for yourself, if you're listening to him, just imagine for yourself if tomorrow, when you woke up, your bank account was empty. What is your first reaction? If it just and it doesn't matter. Maybe somebody just emptied it out, took it out, whatever. You know, maybe it wasn't a, a health catastrophe or anything like that, but maybe it just suddenly disappeared. Well, obviously, you're going to go looking for it. You're going to see, try and find out where it is. That, that's, you know, that's a standard thing. But would you panic? Because there's a lot of things in our lives that we have that we, we cherish that are important to us. And some of them, if they were taken away, we would say, you know, God's got his hand on this. It's all right. 
Would he say that? Would you say that if it was your money? And if that's a question that you haven't asked yourself, ask it now because it's the value that you're putting on something. Is the value the value you put on something is how, how it would affect you if you lost it? Mm. You know, I, I've said this before. I think um, your focus—it's for an American especially. If I want to see what you care about, I just look at your bank account. First Timothy six. 8 says, and if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Mm -hmm. And before that, 7 says, we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we go up above, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. So, in a large portion, I think, giving is contentment. Mm. Yes. I am content. I like that. With less than what I have, because I know I have more than I need. That's good. And I think that I think that's that's something directly from God. That is right from Hebrews thirteen five. It mm -hmm. says, "Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have, for He Himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you.'" So, so just as a final, I want to end up here. I want, I I, I challenge you all right now to just. Stop and take stock of the blessings that you have. Just look at the blessings that you have around you. Look at the, your brothers and sisters in Christ, your, your family, your house, your vehicles, your meals, uh, the clothes that you have. Look at all the things, the job that you have that God provided for you. Um, all of the blessings you have had in your life. All of the blessings you have had in your life. You are a wealthy person. Everyone listening to me right now is, is abounding in wealth simply because God loves you. God loves you more than anything you can possibly imagine. And he loves to loves loves his children. And he will take care of his children. So if you are a child of God, you are wealthy. Mm -hmm. Because you are a child of the creator of the universe. And... Not much better inheritance than that. No. God bless. We hope that this uh, this message is something that you, you can take into your heart and, and consider. Um, yeah. God love you all. Bye.